My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 142, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 1 Kings 21, 2 Chronicles 21 and 22, and Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, chapter 7. 1 Kings 21. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you your vineyard of of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters, she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people, but seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth city did as Jezebel directed in the letters she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. The two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying Naboth had cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite that he refused to sell to you. He is no longer alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, This is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs lick up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered. Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, he says, I am going to bring disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds will feed on those who die in the country. 
There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, but on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his sons. Second Chronicles 21 Then Jehoshaphat rested with his ancestors and was buried with them in the city of David. And Jehoram, his son, succeeded him as king. Jehoram's brothers, the son of Jehoshaphat, were Azariah, Jehel, Zechariah, Azariahu, Michael, and Shephatiah. All these were sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. Their father had given them many gifts of silver and gold and articles of value, as well as fortified cities in Judah. But he had given the kingdom to Jehoram because he was his firstborn son. When Jehoram established himself firmly over his father's kingdom, he put all his brothers to the sword, along with some of the officials of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done. For he married a daughter of Ahab. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, because of the covenant the Lord had made with David, the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David. He had promised to maintain a lamp for him and his descendants forever. In the time of Jehoram, Edom rebelled against Judah and set up its own kingdom. So Jehoram went there with his officials and all his chariots. The Edomites surrendered him and his chariot commanders, but he rose up and broke through by night. To this day, Edom has been in rebellion against Judah. Libna revolted at the same time, because Jehoram had forsaken the Lord, the God of his ancestors. He had also built high places on the hills of Judah and had caused the people of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves and had led Judah astray. Jehoram received a letter from Elijah the prophet, which said, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. You have not followed the ways of your father Jehoshaphat or of Asa, king of Judah, but you have followed the ways of the kings of Israel, and you have led Judah and the people of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves, just as the house of Ahab did. You have also murdered your own brothers, members of your own family, men who are better than you. So now the Lord is about to strike your people, your sons, your wives, and everything that is yours with a heavy blow. You yourself will be very ill with a lingering disease of the bowels until the disease causes your bowels to come out. The Lord aroused against Jehoram the hostility of the Philistines and of the Arabs who lived near the Cushites. They attacked Judah, invaded it, and carried off all the goods found in the king's palace, together with his sons and wives. Not a son was left to him except Ahaziah, the youngest." After all this, the Lord afflicted Jehoram with an incurable disease of the bowels. In the course of time, at the end of the second year, his bowels came out because of the disease, and he died in great pain. His people made no funeral fire in his honor as they had for his predecessors. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away, to no one's regret, and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings." The people of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, Jehoram's youngest son, king in his palace, since the raiders who came in with the Arabs into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. 
His mother's name was Atalia, a granddaughter of Omri. He too followed the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother encouraged him to act wickedly. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done. For after his father's death, they became his advisors to his undoing. He also followed their counsel when he went with Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, to wage war against Haziel, king of Aram, at Ramoth-Gilead. The Arameans wounded Joram, so he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds they had inflicted on him at Ramoth in his battle with Haziel, king of Aram. Then Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to Jezreel to see Joram, son of Ahab, because he had been wounded. Through Ahaziah's visit to Joram, God brought about Ahaziah's downfall. When Ahaziah arrived, he went out with Joram to meet Jehu, son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to destroy the house of Ahab. While Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab, he found the officials of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's relatives who had been attending Ahaziah, and he killed them. He then went in search of Ahaziah, and his men captured him while he was hiding in Samaria. He was brought to Jehu and put to death. They buried him, for they said he was a son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So there was no one in the house of Ahaziah powerful enough to retain the kingdom. When Ataliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes, who were about to murder and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Because Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram and wife of the priest Jehoda, was Ahaziah's sister, she hid the child from Ataliah so she could not kill him. He remained hidden with them at the temple of God for six years while Ataliah ruled the land. Song of Songs or Song of Solomon Chapter 7 How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter! Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel is a round goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gates of Bath-Rabim. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestries. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, my love, with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm, and your breasts are like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. May the wine go straight to my beloved, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my beloved, and his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door in every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my beloved." So we witness broken and wicked leadership in this story. Surprise, it's happened before. It will happen again. Three kings, kings of both the north and the south. 
Out of all the kings, particularly of the north, Father Mike Schmitz calls them all bad, but King Ahab is like the archetype of a villain, and his wife Jezebel, the high priestess of Baal from Phoenicia, is often made synonymous with evil itself. We have heard the prophet Elijah's story, seeking to bring the north back to faithfulness, and now, in today's story, we read about the prophet Elijah doing God's work in the south, too, with King Jehoshaphat's son, now King Jehoram. Back to that in a minute. We're reminded how land is different in the ancient world. Land is not just bought and sold, but land was first given by God, and then the portion he gives to a family or a tribe belongs to the family's name and is stewarded and cared for and passed down from generation to generation. So Naboth couldn't sell his land, his vineyard specifically, to Ahab. So Ahab sulked to his wife, having no faithfulness to Yahweh or the Israelite law. She quickly and easily found a way to take the land and kill Naboth. I also found it interesting how in his retelling, his recount to his wife, he left off the part about the fact that he wasn't allowed to sell, but just made it seem like he didn't want to. Oh, so evil, all of it, right? Then we read God's judgment on Ahab and his wife through the prophet Elijah. Dogs are referenced quite prevalently, and I want to mention that unlike American culture that loves and cherishes dogs, including me, in the ancient Israel world, they viewed dogs as unclean. They were viewed as evil abominations with contempt, a foreign concept to us probably. I guess there may be animals in all cultures that hold contempt, contemptuous positions. But anyway, the point is, the conclusion being drawn is that these low-status creatures— and on a quick review of the word in Hebrew and ancient Israel, it seems like the word dog is like our use of animals or animal parts in curse words. It's to degrade the person someone is calling that name. I think that's the important point. Essentially, as Ahab and Jezebel degraded Naboth, so they will be degraded in death. Yet, as a testament to God's incredible mercy, when Ahab humbles himself before God, God grants some extension of time before the judgment. But as Father Mike Schmidt says, spoiler alert, he will die in the next chapter. Then in the South, we also read a similar story of a corrupt king. Back to Jehoshaphat's son, now King Jehoram who decides to kill all of his brothers and marry the corrupt northern king Ahab's daughter, Atalia. The story continues to spiral out. Jehoram is corrupt. All of his sons, except his youngest, Ahaziah, were killed. When Ahaziah became king, he was also corrupt. Shocker. Yet his mother, Atalia, the queen, because remember, the king's mother is the queen in the ancient world. Probably the speculation is because they had many wives, but there was only one mother of the king. So she further contributed to unfaithfulness, particularly after her son's death, attempting to kill the entire royal family of the tribe of Judah. Ahaziah's sister takes and hides Ahaziah's son, Joash, in God's temple, sanctuary, while Atalia takes charge for a number of years. Notice the corruption of these leaders is not only their own choices, but they lead their people astray and seek to destroy succession and shared leadership by killing siblings and the royal family. It's like layers of serious problems. Phew, it feels a little bit like the end of Avengers Endgame or like an end of Game of Thrones type of episode. It's really intense. And there's a lot to be reflected on on prospective leadership and influencers who are dying. 
and what will happen next. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.